What's up, everybody? Jay Miller here. This is The Pit Show. This is where I sit down with someone in the tech space. I talk about stuff, productivity-related, maybe, maybe not. But this is the season finale for the 2020 season of The Pit Show. That means next season will be starting sometime. Uh, for those that don't know what I usually do with uh, this show as a whole is once I wrap up a season, I take a couple of months to figure things out. I don't see that happening, but it could. I will say if you want to know more or keep up with the show from this point, sign up for the newsletter. Um, there'll be a link in the show notes for that. Of course, I'm going to leave us on an amazing interview uh, with good friend of mine, Alex Cox. Uh, they bring a lot to the table in terms of skill set and profession, and they were also an award-winning Jay-Z's award winner. I don't know what a Jay-Z is, honestly. Well, I know who Jay-Z is, but I don't know what a Jay-Z is. I just kind of made it up as like my, hey, this year sucked, and there were some people that made it a lot better, and Alex was one of them. So, yeah, that's going to be happening in a second. But before we get to that, I want to talk about this process, this new pitch show idea. I've been talking about it. I've been kind of spitballing the format and figuring things out. I am torn. I really am torn. I love the monologue format. I know it's not for everyone. I also hate the idea of talking into a microphone and being an ambient voice for more than 10 minutes. I think that that's a really hard sell. That said, I also enjoy doing interviews, but I can see there being value in not always having an interview to do. The problem is <laughs> there, there's two issues here. One, I'm always going to want to do interviews. I'm always going to want to interview people, but it, it creates so much overhead. And then two, I always love coming up with topics that are super interesting and cool, but doing them on a regular basis can also be a challenge. So how do I address that? I don't know. I, I really don't. I really don't know. I don't know how to best address that. So what I can say is expect the next season to, I guess, have a little bit of both of those things. There will be some that will have my two cents at the beginning and at the end. There will be some that have my monologue just for monologue's sake. And there will be some that may just be an interview. I, I don't know. What I do know is I have a couple of projects that I want to take time to work on. So I I will tell you, most likely, the show is going to be a little slow coming out the gate. And I mean that as in, there will probably be episodes in January. They may not be your normal episodes, but they'll be there. February might be a little bit better. We'll see. We'll see how 2021 wants to act. You know, 2021 to act a full, so... 
we don't know there. But expect me to continue to bring content, continue to diversify the type of content that I bring, but to also continue to provide things, things happening, things that I'm doing, things that are going on in the world that is pit. And yeah, a lot of this is coming from trying to figure out what works. I just want to let you know, there is going to be a lot more content coming from me, not just on the pit show, but also on my blog, on my newsletter, uh, maybe live streaming, doing video things. I don't know. There, there's just a lot coming up in 2021, but I wanted to wrap up the year with hands down my favorite conversation that I had all year. Someone who, in my opinion, shouldn't need any introduction, but if you don't know, they do a ton of podcasts. They also create video content and other things for the card game, Cards Against Humanity, the one, the only Alex Cox. I hope you enjoy There, now it is the show. We're, we're just going to jump right in. My guest is Alex Cox. They are, uh, let's see, Alex is a podcast producer and a podcaster person around the interwebs and studio manager uh, known for such amazing podcasts such as Dubai Friday and Two-Headed Girl. Well, now and... I don't want it to be the show. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. Well, well I mean... I, I have so many questions, and this is like the best format for all of those questions. So I do want to know, what is the origin story of Alex Cox? Because... Oh, my good Lord. I'm 30 it, years it, old. You're not helping with my pre-midlife, hopefully pre-midlife crisis. I'm, I'm, I'll be 31 tomorrow. So, again, <laughs> we're right. in the exact same boat. <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, it, at least I know that you're familiar with my laugh, so I don't need to apologize for that in advance. <laughs> but I mean, what, what sort of what do you mean by origin story? Just how I got into p podcasting in general? So I remember Mike announcing that they were picking up a show. I want to say it was called Roboism. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is that what it was? Yep. Uh, and I listened to that for a while, and then it disappeared, and I was sad. Uh, and then I was messaging a friend of mine, uh, Matthew Casanelli, and he mentioned that he might be getting into podcasting, and I was jealous because I had wanted to do a show with him because I had known him, I'm trying to think, I knew him after VaynerMedia, but before um, Shortcuts, as then known as Workflow, um, was, was acquired by Apple. So it was, it was kind of like this weird, like, Hey, you like automation at the time. The podcast was super like, we're going to talk all the productivity things. We're going to talk about how you can reach inbox zero every single day. And yeah, I completely got over that crap after a while. And then, <laughs> but he mentioned like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this show with, with someone named Alex. And I was like, why well, does that name sound familiar? And then I heard, and I was like, Oh, it's Alex. And then, I found Dubai Friday and then went back and like started f catching up on all of that. And, and then it was just like, 
Alex is everywhere. Oh, how, how did this happen? <laughs> how, how did how did Alex go from like nowhere to like all the things? Oh, that's I, I've never even thought about it that way. Uh, but you mentioned two shows that I no longer do <laughs> Do any more ro- roboism and uh, supercomputer. The first with my friend Savannah, and uh, then with our mutual friend Matthew Castanelli. I didn't know you knew him. That's that's a delight. But I I guess I'm sort of uh well, or at least I was a podcast creator and abandoner in in the terms of throwing stuff at the wall to just see what sticks um roboism was my not my first podcast but the first podcast that like people listen to and one that i feel like i don't need to scrub from the internet from shame uh (laughs) and that's because of my wonderful co-host savannah and the secret behind like all of my podcasts are basically i want to be friends with somebody so let me do a show with them because then we have to talk uh and that is kind of how stuff gets started and the reason um other than the fact of me being awkward and you know the best way to talk to someone being with a microphone in front of my face. Uh, I had sort of the same relationship you were talking about earlier, where I knew so many things about a small group of people's lives who I really looked up to. And uh, this includes a lot of the folks from uh, Relay, a lot of the folks who are now at, you know, big, big boy radio uh, outlets like Gim- oh, Gimlet and Spotify and blah, blah, that's a whole other thing. And like, um, but I, I started to notice more and more that there were very few voices like mine. Um, And not just because I'm a total weirdo, but there were very few genderqueer folks talking about tech, let alone, I mean, anything, let alone anything like other than gender. There's a lot of awesome podcasts about uh, gender and sexuality and all of that out there. But um, I'm like, I just want to do my own stuff. And I don't think I'm worth listening to. But I, you know, someone, if, if I am hearing other people, and like, hey, I can probably do that and hopefully a little bit better or in a different way hopefully someone's listening to me going oh my god i can definitely do that better um so i kind of for the first time in my life just wanted to insert myself into spaces that didn't feel welcoming before just it was like what was it was literally like okay what's the worst that could happen uh and um you're not going you're you're a, a white person who passes as a woman no, no one's going you're not gonna die it's gonna be fine even if no one likes you so i guess it's the really long way of answering how i popped up everywhere is because i started to annoy people and insist they talk to me <laughs> i don't know does that sort of I make mean, sense that's that's how i did it it was i mean you mentioned I've talked about Matt way too much lately. I need to stop doing that. Um, but he's he was the eighth guest that I ever had on this show. And it was one of those moments of just like, 
hey, I'm this quirky kid that's like into productivity and stuff and who wants to talk about it? And Matt was like, I'll, I'll do it. And I was like, all right, let's 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 just do a thing. And, <laughs> and honestly, that's how all of my projects have started. And mm-hmm. I mean, don't feel bad. I, I've got like, I think my transistor account has like seven podcasts and I update three of them. And I, I think uh, <laughs> a friend of mine that I'm helping uh, updates one of the other ones. So like, you're not alone in the idea of, I have entire projects that are just like, no one will ever hear about this ever again. And it's fine. And the reason you can't find that Matthew Casanelli episode was because in my anxiety and depression and all of those things that I hate talking about half the time, like I actually deleted that entire RSS feed. Now it only exists on the internet archive. So it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm there with you. And like you said, honestly, the best way I was able to to book half the people that I've met, um, actually, the entire career that I've built has just been bugging people and asking them to help me and promising them absolutely nothing in return. And it it's just kind of worked out. And I don't know how or why, but I mean, honestly... I'm sitting here having a conversation with Alex Cox. So what? I feel like I'm doing the right things. So, and, and, and I mean that. It's it's weird that like five years ago, I didn't know anyone. Well, I knew who like Merlin Man was. I knew who Scott Johnson and Tom Merritt and, and like some people that have been doing oh, podcasts. Those are like two old names. Now. Yeah. Woof. Oh, <laughs> yeah. boy. <laughs> But I mean, at this at this stage in my career now, as a podcaster, like I've interviewed Brett Terpstra twice, like I've been on some conferences stuff. And then like I've gotten to interview both Scott and Tom and um, I'm still trying to book Justin and that's not probably going to happen for a while, but who knows? Uh, But it's just like and then like I talk to Mike on a monthly basis and like that whole thing let like filled me with so much anxiety and like for the first time in my career, I'm like, I might be getting paid to do a podcast like professionally. I might become a quote unquote professional podcasters in that someone wanted to hire me for my podcasting skills. That's wild. That makes me so excited. And by I, when I say that's wild, I mean, it's wild that it had to take so long for you to get into that position because I think that speaks a lot to you know how how insulated the community is and how kind of clicky I think folks can get and I think I mean it's it's definitely getting a lot better but along with recognizing the different dynamics in relationships it's like you know no matter how big a podcast is or isn't, you still have a really intimate relationship with it if you listen like week after week. Like there are some shows where I didn't even realize that I was one of like a couple dozen listeners. And I was like, oh, oh God, I could like this, this is awesome. Like I'm sure they don't know who the heck I am. But I I think it's really great that you get to talk to folks that not that that you used to look up to who are like now your peers because you are you're doing this. Like you have an awesome show and you're experimenting with different formats. And that's amazing. I I think, and 
as the time that we're recording this, um, I actually addressed that in the episode that I'm releasing tomorrow. And it's this whole like, it's my birthday and I'm going to do whatever I want. You know why? Because it's my birthday. And <laughs> like the whole the whole concept of being in the position that I'm in now came from the idea of like, I don't want this to be my full time job. Like, mm-hmm. I don't I don't want and, and I mean, like productivity and tech exclusively like the podcast. I don't want that to be my full-time job because I've tried that already. I've already, I've gone down the road of like, hey, go to patreon.whateverwhatever.com and, you know, if you give me $5 a month, I'm going to sit down and have like a personal Zoom call with you once a month or something like that. And every time I've tried to do that, it just, it became so much, so demanding of just my time and my energy. And then it turned into this thing that like I dreaded doing And Mm -hmm. once I was like, how do I make this so that I can literally stop this anytime that I want? Mm -hmm. And that has been the decision of like, hey, you know what? I'm going to do my own like reflection type thing. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, I miss doing interviews. So I'm going to do interviews, too. And it was like, well, I kind of like doing both. So maybe I'll just turn it into like the standard talk show format where I talk a lot, interview somebody and then talk a lot some more. And because at the end of the day, nobody is get, well, people are giving me money for it, but I've already told them they don't have to, but they demand to. So I'm like, whatever, but always take money. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, I'm not going to stop you. Like if you're just going to give me money, I'm not going to stop you, but I want you to know that I'm not asking for it. And in fact, I've told them like some of the stuff that you were getting because you were giving me money, I'm going to give away to everybody. The after show that we're going to do in 15 minutes or so, everyone has an opportunity to listen to it. And and, uh, people were like, yeah, that's cool. Fine. Whatever. I'm still going to give you money. And it came down to having to start doing that with some of my friends to get them to start trying more things like a good friend of mine, Joe Bulig, um, which I'm I'm sure, you know, Mike, Mike Schmitz and Joe from bookworm. Um, Mm -hmm. But every time he does something new, it's like, I sign up for it. He's like, dude, I can just give you access. It's like, no, 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 no. You take my money. <laughs> like you have to. Like you have no choice in this because I want you to understand that there is value to what you're getting, but I don't want you to feel so pressured that you have to demand money from people. I mean, some people m- might call me somewhat of a uh progressive and, and maybe maybe even a, a socialist. Oh god, crazy. Uh, uh, but too? I do <laughs> me me uh but I kind of like the what the the economics of how uh i I don't know i don't know what we would even call ourselves self-funded creative like independent creators that are uh, sort of kind of just throwing money at at each other in order to sustain ourselves it's like an example of how just how ridiculous uh, capitalism is that we're all like uh funding each other's art in a beautiful way uh and uh, fuck it ah dude can you not swear uh uh it's like (laughs) okay it's like uh yeah yeah uh, fuck it i'll call podcast art like it's it's like saying a doodle is art some aren't some some are whatever but but like uh most of my patreon (laughs) money from the shows i do go off to supporting other uh patreon endeavors or, or kickstarters and stuff like that and that that is really 
just I, I, I love to to hear that. Um, and I, I hear the same folks or I, I hear the same thing from my friends like, hey, here's the discount, co- like friends and family code. And I'm like, well, I've already subscribed to the thing. So it would be too much to make a new account and password. So here, here's my $50 for the year. <laughs> like I have that privilege. Let's let's why not use it? Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I think that there's a there's a good way of looking at it. Like, are you familiar with the comic strip questionable content? Oh, am I ever? I, yes. <clears throat> okay. So <laughs> Go I've on. been fo- I've been following QC since 2007. So, <gasps> oh boy, literally, literally from the time that I graduated high school till this morning, like QC has been in my life, and. I, I sit there and think like, okay, I want to buy every shirt, every mug. Like I want to sponsor on Patreon. I want to do all of these things. And people would be like, well, why would you, why are you throwing away money to a, a comic strip? And it's like, you don't understand. Like in the most insane, sporadic, mindless, like moments of my life, the only source of stability was a comic mm-hmm. that came out Monday through Friday. Like it was my, I still haven't gone to therapy. Like it's been therapy for me for so long, <laughs> which I'm going to have to start going to therapy because my psychiatrist is like not in network anymore. So I'm like really upset about that anyway. Um, but just oh, that, that whole sucks. idea. I'm sorry. Uh, it's, it's fine. He kind of sucked anyway. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it was right, like, good, good for everybody then. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like a win-win, I guess. But the, <laughs> the cool thing is like, I know that I can like text Joe or I can call Joe and be like, Hey, I have a question, like a general productivity question, or, Hey, I want to bug you about why Rome research is a cult and like all of these things and not feel bad about it because at the end of the day, I'm giving him money for it. And mm-hmm. It's like not to not to give him the same like, well, you have to do this because I'm paying you. But I also extend to him like, hey, by the way, you can do this to me, too. Like, if you have questions, if you have thoughts, if you have something interesting, call me. Like the fact that we share our phone numbers is like you can message me on iMessage like it's perfectly fine. And he's like, oh, that's awesome. It it has paid off so many times. Like I I've known all of these people for so long and to see how excited that everyone got when they were like, Oh, Hey, Mike is investing a little bit of his time in people. And Jay just happens to be one of those people. That's amazing. And then like, at the same time, I had people that are developers that are like, yo, Jay's looking for a new job. You need to hire him. By the way, he does this awesome podcast. So you should hire him as a developer advocate and allow him to make way more money than he did before. And <laughs> it was just like, it was just like, what? Like my whole dream was I want to get paid to help build communities. And people were like, okay, you can do that, but it's like a 15 year plan and you can't do that. And I'm like, Psh, whatever, hold my beer one second. Let me make a couple <laughs> phone calls. And then like in six months I have a new job and it's just like, it's, your your like school counselor can't give you this guidance. It's just like mm-hmm. do stuff, give people money, be friendly, and all of a sudden you're in this position that doesn't make sense to anyone else in the world. 
I I feel like much like uh, gender, money is basically imaginary and the people who tell you what to do with it are the ones who think they have experience with it and have a lot of it. Um, And just like folks who are very confident in their gender, both cis and trans. (laughs) And oh, this comparison is going to get me in trouble. But but I I love that you were like, well, I'm just what if what if not that like so many things in life would be so interesting if we were just like well just let's tweak it a little or in your case do something totally radical and i don't want to say blow up your life but change it completely for the better by being like "Mm, it's it sounds like i can do this in a much more interesting way definitely and i think i can actually i can tell you a story about this. I think you will love this. So when I was in middle school, I almost got expelled because I almost started a fight. (laughs) Like, uh, not just like a fight, but like a school-wide brawl. Um, There was... I'm trying to remember. You're you're from Illinois, right? So there's... Oh, not not just from. I am in Chicago right now. Oh, oh, yeah. So did they have... They don't have Urban Outfitters out there, do they? We do. We have fewer since the pandemic and people aren't okay. buying books about uh, books that were essentially Tumblr blogs anymore. But but we did. <laughs> so they used there used to be like this urban outfitters type store that sold basically nothing but Confederate flag like stuff. Where I grew up and I, and I grew up in like the deep south. It was weird. Like our population was like 8000 people. So like wait, was, are we thinking of the same urban outfitters? We, are. we no. are not. I am thinking of the hipster store, like the, no. the hip, okay, okay. I'm I mean, sorry. Un- unless <laughs> hipsters like gun racks, this is not the same. I was yeah, I was like, is this an alternate southern uh, <laughs> it's the, uh, urban it's outfitters? The, Which I guess it's it the kind all, of the right urban outfitters. <laughs> They might have been rural outfitters. I'm not sure anymore. Oh, boy. (laughs) Well, okay. so give me a primer on what the fuck this monstrosity is. Yeah. So, yeah, this was this was like Southern pride at its highest. And I feel bad because at one point I sympathized with it. And then I was like, this is dumb. Never mind. I take back all of that. Um, But anyway, this is me in middle school. So me in middle school, there's an argument that these kids aren't allowed to wear shirts with Confederate flags on them anymore. And I'm like, yeah, that's good. Granted, I'm one of like three black kids in the entire school. So a lot of people were really complaining. (laughs) (laughs) But they, they made this rule, people can wear it. And then parents were freaking out saying like, oh, my kid needs to support their culture, blah, 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 all the stuff that we still hear today, even though that was like, what, 20 some odd years ago. Uh, But anyway, now (laughs) I'm like, well, this is dumb. And the parents are like, well, how come the black kid gets to wear FUBU, which literally stands for for us, by us, but we can't wear Confederate flag stuff. So then my little preteen brain starts coming up with a plan where I take $100 in Christmas money, go to the local Kmart, which that tells you what part of town I lived in, and started buying FUBU shirts to pass out to white kids. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! And almost started a race riot. Oh my god. Oh my god. 
That oh was the second God. time my mom had to pick me up from school for almost getting expelled. The first time was just for running like illegal Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments in my front yard. But yeah, don't oh, collect money in school, kids. You're the coolest person I've ever talked to. My God, don't don't tell that seventy-three folders guy. But it was <laughs> the best. I mean, my entire life has just been like this whole like, why can't I do a thing? Oh, because you said so. That's like the stupidest reason ever. I'm going to prove you wrong now. See, it it took me like 28 still I mean I'm still trying to l- learn we should we should all still be trying to learn but uh that's like my I was tell folks who ask like which it's I think it's kind of a dumb question of what are some of your regrets I'm like I did all of my homework and behaved in high school because that didn't matter it didn't matter at all I mean I spent so much time stressing about this stuff and uh I I went all along the path I I I think you know that I had a very different upbringing than you living in the very I mean considerably wealthy like uh upper middle class area of Chicago and and we obviously had had a particular uh way way of doing things ah you're you're Catholic you've gone to the private Catholic school you've gone to the private uh college preparatory school and now you shall go to college and and do your thing and uh, without you know any second thoughts or or questioning um and I wonder how many years of my life were taken by <laughs> uh like doing AP classes when I was between the ages of 16 and 18 like it, that's wild and you were you know already d- taking down the establishment <laughs> getting fubu I didn't know fubu was that old that's awesome oh my gosh wow wow by the way, for those that are going to yell at me and say it was ur- it wasn't Urban Outfitters, I know it was Dixie Outfitters. There's a link in the chat. It's the worst, and the fact that they're still around makes me <laughs> Dixie angry. Outfitters. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that's really that's just lovely. <laughs> but I, I agree that like the biggest regret, and I mean, even though I had these, you know. Malcolm Xian like tight like mindset as a teenager, I still wanted to do things in a way that was like, I'm going to be the best at this and you can't tell me no. Cause I'm I'm like you. Like, had I realized that like higher education is virtually a scam in the United States. I would not have taken AP classes. I did like an engineering magnet that started with 30 students and ended with three. Oh my and it gosh. was like I was like, no child needs to take AP calculus as a senior. No, you have no, you should be doing things that I won't say on on radio because I don't want my daughter to hear this one day and think that she has a (laughs) pass to do it. So uh, I will, I will just say you should be having fun (laughs) and just that, just have fun. Like high school doesn't matter. Like that stuff doesn't matter. Like, if anyone tells you that it matters, then they're wrong and they're stupid. And and also, you, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, and if, if you spend so much time worrying about it, like at the end of the day, you're just going to regret that you didn't have the fun that you could be having. Mm-hmm. 
and I and I think both of us means sort of all types of fun. Like even even if I like wanted to find weed in in uh, high school, I would have not known how. I'm talking about like I wish that I spent more. I was able to spend more time reading books that were actually relevant and mattered. Like I wanted, I just wanted to listen to Green Day in my room <laughs> instead of crying that I couldn't print a paper. And it was like uh, the 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 person who's good at tech just. Oh god yeah you should you shouldn't have a nervous breakdown in in high school. Um not uh, not that I've ever had that at all or or anything. But I mean I'm I'm so glad that you've kind of you you, you learned that m- much earlier than I did. That's awesome. I, I think it was just a a struggle for independence more than anything. I just I hated being told what to do. And I mean that that explains so many things. <laughs> like <laughs> as I as I sit there and have like a flashback now. Like, and I mean, I'm right there with you. Like, I found out. A, let's see, I found out about the White Stripes like my sophomore year of high school, and then I also learned about Sufjan Stevens the same year, and then I started a rock band, and it was a really bad band. We were not good, but. <laughs> It was so much fun and we played so many shows locally and it was just like all of these things that like a black kid in high school wasn't supposed to do like I just did and like I wore my hair out and I remember lying to my mom telling her that we were going to Savannah Georgia when we wanted to go to St. Augustine Florida and I got told <laughs> to like rock yeah and my car broke down on the freeway and I had to call my best friend to like literally come and tow me. Like, and we just sat there and drove with like my car being pulled by his truck with me and the, me just kind of steering. And it was like some of the most fun moments I've ever had just came from like doing the stupidest stuff. <laughs> and I, I don't regret any of it because. Honestly, I, I enjoy telling the stories. I mean, it led me to joining the military. It led me to doing all this other crazy, stupid stuff and just having a blast. And I feel like I'm watching folks like you, folks like... I feel like I almost feel bad for Merlin because I feel like he had such a fun time, got super serious, and now is like learning to have fun again. <laughs> I I mean I don't want to I, I don't want to speak for Merlin um but if I could speak to this guy who who used to be oh see I I can't make jokes oh, like inside <laughs> jokes from my own podcast that's I'm oh god I'm a monster um, but, well t- tell Merlin he's invited to be on the show and he can defend himself from anything that you might tell him yes say about him yes he, he should he should be on this show and uh I, I think in in your show notes I mean it's it's your show but you should definitely put in his uh essay cranking which was about how it was kind of the letter he wrote to um his publisher uh, for what he calls his abortive book because he was like i don't want to write a book i don't the i don't like the people are telling me how to do this thing and i i I was sort of blown away by that um blog post slash essay whatever you want to call it um not not just because it was uh really really emotional but it was it felt like a big fuck you to like 
the the sort of systems that he had previously operated in, like the productivity guru space and the, um, you know, life hacking stuff that started out as really in- interesting and innovative and then be- it became like just an- annoying and uh, and I I think it was around that time that I ha- also had the realization of like, oh, yeah, I really don't like the, the way people how people are telling me to do things. And I don't like the project, the, the path that I've been put on that I've that in my own like uh, through through my I, I, nobody forced me like I did have very supportive uh, parents grow and still do have very supportive parents. Um, but I'm like, oh, I don't need to do like I don't need to write a book. I don't even need to publish podcasts on a weekly basis. Basis if I don't want to, like it's fine. Everything's fine, and I, I I mean I hope that Merlin's having fun doing doing shows, especially the one that (laughs) does with me. You're on. But I mean, like people like you, you're you're too cool to do a podcast. What are what are you even doing? Way so, too, way too cool. I will, I will answer that question, but once we get into the after show, because I have one more question for you, and this is like the only serious question that I have. Um, I've watched as you have become a role model for others, like other like younger people, which is super awesome. And I know it's terrifying, but I want to know, like, how does that feel? feel knowing that there are younger kids you know some black some white some queer some straight that are looking to you and listening to your stories and the experiences that you've had how does it feel when to us the stories that we have don't seem like they're that big of a deal but to other people they mean so much Oh, well, mm, I, I, I mean, I really don't you thank you for all of the nice words, uh, although my anus has clenched so much that it's just gone <laughs> up inside me. And uh, I'm sure if I had tesco- testicles, they'd also just all oh, because it does make me deeply uncomfortable when anybody refers to me as a role model or says that they look up to me. But I I think it was actually my 30th birthday like i i try to make not a big deal out out of birthdays but uh maybe it's because during the you know during quarantine and uh like during this pandemic in uh the the year of hopefully a lord maybe 2020 (laughs) and the uh i was like okay i always wanted a role model and i i got that through people maybe who didn't look like me or who didn't sound like me. Um, But I was able to kind of mush all of that stuff together from various folks uh, to kind of try to start to figure out the kind of human being I want to be. And that, that includes, I mean, that is still going on every single day as I said before, like, I think, Everybody should kind of do that, um, like examine just who they're looking up to and why. Uh, but I, I mm, the first time someone called me a, a, a role model 
uh, oh, it was a while ago. Uh, and I and I just immediately shrank into the corner. Um, but I think now it's almost like, all right, yeah, because if no one's going to, sure, because someone is going, like someone else is going to come around and be like, yeah. My Alex was cool, but also I have an even better story. And I, I, I or you know what? Like, I, even if it's not a bit like people will people hopefully will be like, that is an that that is an interesting person. Uh, but that's not who I am. And I have a different perspective and I have similar but different stories to tell. And then they start to realize, oh, I have even more stories to tell. And by stories, I mean, like, whether it the like quote story be like coding or a literal like writing a book or podcasting or whatever, just I want people to take up more space. Um, because, and I, I hope by showing other folks, especially, um, I mean, I, I'm very protective of young queer folks, probably because I didn't have anybody close to me, uh, who was protecting young young queer folks, uh, when I, uh, when I really needed it. But I, I mean, I'm, I don't know, man, like if, if one person, if I've made one human being's life better or I've made one human being decide to create something that makes one other human being's life better, then I'm like, yeah, that is really fucking cool. How lucky am I to have done that? Like, I I didn't think I would live to be 30 years old because that's not really like the life expense expectancy for folks like me uh isn't super high and i like i don't want to speak for you but as a black man i like i know the queer and black analogy gets real messy real fast and it's super it's not a great one to make but when you grow up and see people who are very much like you literally dying or disappearing before they even have a chance for their voice to be heard um it breaks your heart and that can be really discouraging and it'll make you want to glide in my case, the literal and metaphorical closet um, instead of sitting in front of a microphone or standing in front of a microphone with a, with a, for a band or coding or writing or whatever. <sighs> so I'm babbling now because I'm having feelings, but yeah, I, I'm just really excited about, how many folks are getting into the podcasting space right now and how uh, you mentioned transistor before but how many more tools are accessible uh if not free but but cheap um and i like it's it's almost stuff like that like i want to be like hey hey people like don't use uh, start using this software it's super easy or like hey hey you can make your own show or oh hey uh my buddy mike hurley he's doing this podcast mentorship for people who don't know how to podcast or haven't uh, like had their podcast represented enough and I still don't really remember what the question you were asking was. <laughs> I was just trying to deflect from myself. But does that, I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense. I really, I don't know. I'm just really, really grateful. I'm grateful to be on this show. I'm grateful that I 
get to listen to your podcast now. That's amazing. And I had heard like heard about and then it started over and I, I'm super excited to see what the the new format you mentioned is going to be like. But yeah, say something. So I stop talking. This is terrible. <laughs> You mentioned Brett Stevens before. The first time I was on his show, I literally threw up before, or not Brett Stevens, who's also a very nice man. But Brett Stevens, why does that name sound familiar? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Formerly, he uh, uh, he made Vesper and then worked at OmniFocus, and now he's at Audible. A very talented programmer and podcaster, but also Brett Brett Terpstra. Brett Um, Simmons. Yeah. What did I? Who did I say? Stevens. Steve. Wait, isn't that like the obnoxious dude from the New York Times? Wait, no. Is that who did I? I either mentioned someone cool or, or incredibly terrible. Uh, so no, I take it back. <laughs> but Brent Simmons. The, yes, Brent Simmons. Awesome. But uh, yeah, I, I threw up before and after I was on uh, Brett Terpstra's show, Systematic, and I threw up after the first email I sent Merlin Mann. So hopefully. People aren't doing that when they're emailing me. I really hope not. <laughs> well, I I will say I'm trying to remember. I think Brett Terpstra, not not to be confused with uh, Brett Simmons or <laughs> I think he's the New York Times guy. Oh my god! I don't know, but uh, <laughs> he he had put out on a tweet, and I don't know I don't know the context as to why he sent it, but it was something along the lines of. I'm looking for like more friends that would actually like talk to me. And I was like, well, dude, I'll be your friend, but you have to come on my podcast first. And he was like, all right. (laughs) And I wasn't expecting an all right. And then like, I I sent him a DM after that. Like, I, I I mean, I'm being serious. If you're being serious, we could do this. (laughs) And at the time it was just like, Brett was like one of my white whales, which I really don't think that that term probably will age well. Um, Yeah, he was one of my role models uh, when I got into the podcasting space. And in my mind, like I wanted to be like Brett, like I wanted to just make things because I could. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know the entire like story behind, you know, the mad scientist of the Internet that is Brett Terpstra, who's new projects i support by building an alfred alfred um plugin for and then i'm also giving a talk on uh in december oh man my anxiety kicked in again <laughs> but but at the same time like it was like the same time that i met um david sparks like when mike was like hey do you want to come on focus and i was like what <laughs> like don't <laughs> no <laughs> no don't <laughs> i mean yes but no <laughs> and then a- after that it was just like t- i'm talking to david sparks david is a normal person i don't need to treat him like someone like on this crazy high pedestal and then i was like i'm just gonna casually throw out that he needs to be on my show and he was like yeah let's do it and i was like, ah crap why do i keep doing this to myself <laughs> it's it, it is so amazing that so many people and and you earlier you asked me why did i get into podcasting um the short story is i've always been fascinated with talk radio um 
Roberts. My grandfather wow. like tortured me by listening to NPR like every day. <laughs> and then when I got older, I started listening to NPR every day. So <laughs> it, it just seemed like the right thing to do. But I, I've always thought it weird that radio today, and I guess for the last like 30 years or so, Radio slash podcasting is like the only thing where someone that has zero following can all of a sudden become a big name. Like I think about, you know, um, what's his face that did serial and like all that stuff. And it's just like these were people that did not exist before. They weren't in movies. They weren't, you know, New York Times bestsellers, which I mean, now most pod, a lot of podcasters are yeah. annoying because this is our space and they need to step, <laughs> step off Spotify. <laughs> Get me yeah, on right. me, Satan. Oh my god, I don't even want to start on Spotify. Oh. <laughs> but, I mean, but, I support everybody at Spotify. T uh, Alex Cox, TM, TM. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, like that, the whole idea of just being able to connect with people that are truly sincere like sincerely normal people and we treat them like these like demigods that are just like they're the smartest people in the world like i shouldn't i shouldn't upset him like this but like i've crashed on mike vardy's couch <laughs> like <laughs> just because i was in the area and he was like hey you want to come up and have poutine and i was like uh Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> like just just these insane like stories of just hanging out with normal people that just happen to have this insanely massive following on the internet and people treat them like they're not normal people only to find out that they really are normal people. Like it it just blows my mind but it also gives me like a, a sense of humility of like hey you're not special just because you have a podcast. <laughs> like if, if these people aren't special, if they're like being humble about it, you need to do that as well. So that that is why I podcast, because honestly, the community is amazing. And the people that I've gotten to meet are like my idols. But then when I talk to them, they're like normal people. And that just makes me like feel so little inside, which sometimes I need to be littled, I guess. <laughs> I, I I mean I'm gonna push back and and say no but you are special because you have a podcast because you are using your platform to reach out to folks that both both you admire and people who are interesting and like everything in between and I think that's why. I mean, it sounds like that's part of why you were attracted to podcasting was like you, you know. Uh, after like the NPR stuff, like, you know, all these smart people are saying these smart things, but then you realize, oh, all of these smart people are also just like nice, smart people who are really generous with their time and attention, as Merlin Mad would say. And I think that's what is so beautiful about podcasting, too, is like I the the way that um i've seen my friends progress in in radio you're you're right it, it's something where you can have no name and then suddenly you you're ira glass and you've made cereal but there there still is like oh man this this track of like going through this specific internship and going up in a certain way whereas podcasting despite its um spotification shall we say <laughs> 
this. Like, it's still the kind of like the punk rock of the internet. And it's still, at least for now, like the wild, wild west. And I intend to sort of ride that RSS feed as long as possible. And I mean, I I don't know. You you had a band. I I had a band, which I will never ever talk about, and don't even <laughs> no one ever no one ever try to find it on the internet ever. Um, but I've I just started getting back into music because I have been talking to d- during this uh, pandemic. I've been listening to a lot more music and a lot fewer podcasts, only because I'm like, God, I really miss my friends, and I can't hear their voices right now because it'll make me sad. So instead, I'm going to listen to music that also makes me sad, and then send a nice no- note to that person, and that person will is like, Oh my gosh, I listened to your podcast. Hey, and it's like, What in the world now? And I, I mean. Yeah, that's that. And that happened just on this this show. I'm like, wait, you know, Matthew, why didn't he ever mention this? Uh, and and uh, I don't know. It's this is a wild space right now. And I adore that. I love it. And I'm going to use that to wrap up the first part of the show, because I'm more excited about the second part, because in a few minutes, I'm going to be on Alex's podcast and she doesn't even know it yet. Oh, Lord. Because the roles are about to switch. But Alex, thank you so much for being a guest on my show, for just having a blast and goofing around and just having so much fun in this conversation. Like I have. I, I have just, it was everything that I expected and more. Oh. And, on t- and on top <laughs> of that, I was just like, as we mentioned before, talking to someone that you think is like super awesome and super amazing, only to find out that you have so much in common and like we're all just normal people. <laughs> it, it was so refreshing. So do the whole podcasty thing about telling people where they can find you and what they can listen to and all this other stuff. Uh, first of all, you can keep this in how, how you want it to, but my pronouns are they, them, and you, she, which is okay, because I know you completely did that in good faith, and, you know, I'm you weren't, sorry. yeah, no, no, see, totally fine, but the only reason I bring it up is because when uh, whenever someone, uh, whenever, like, a literal friend of mine, like, Merlin Mann does it, then it, <laughs> whoever it is will get, like, excuse me, their pronouns, are blah, 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 and it's like, yeah, it's not your job to police my pronouns, mother fuckers uh because fuck the police but anyway yes just so people know i i should have known that because i ask and that's something that i do intentionally so that i don't make those mistakes and that's that actually you- why i wanted to to call it out because i was like oh that's amazing is you uh, you were a wonderful host and that you sent me a, a like you know a little guide of how to host it and, and included asking my pronouns and you you're like you don't need to say if you don't want and i don't want anybody to yell at you because sometimes twitter is mean and i want to tweet about this because <laughs> this tweet about your show it's so good uh yeah so i guess i'm alex cox my pronouns are they them uh you can find me at twitter.com slash alex cox spelled c-o-x not the other way uh i i do a show with my spouse called two-headed girl uh you can find that at twoheadedgirl.com two-headed girl i found oh lord in heaven i am so good at this too yes two-headedgirl.fm Hooray! Nope, nope, it's twoheadedgirl.com. Okay. Wait, so- <laughs> why does twoheadedgirl.fm go to Bloomberg? I've or no go to idea. msn.com. That's uh, weird. Okay. I, I don't know. Someone really took, like, I, I mean, I guess 
it's it's a reference to a fairly popular song, but I'm like, why'd you have to step on? Oh, all right, MSN. Uh, but you can also find me on a show that is very, very also very uh, near and dear to my heart at dubaifriday.com and it's the show my show with Merlin Mann where we do a challenge every week and by challenge it, it really means we're just trying something new every week for example um, th- uh, this week's challenge 3D print something this week's challenge try out a new pencil this week's challenge try not to have an existential crisis and eating paper like it's all really the premise of the show is an excuse to talk to one of my friends and uh to talk to my other friends by bringing them on as guests of the show so yeah and we also have a patreon and you can find us at patreon at uh i think it's patreon.com slash do by friday or you can go to the url uh give us your fucking money.com because there's no ads on that show it's all patron supported all right so this has been the show are you ready for the after show Yes, I lied. Actually, wait. Let me let me go get another beverage. I'll be right. I'll be right. Okay. Back. Let's stop. <laughs> One sec. Right. Hello. 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 So, sorry. I went to uh, uh, go get a, a another beverage, and Maddie, my spouse, was like, "You're, you're you okay? Okay, in there over over caffeinated?" And I'm like, "No, I'm just having fun." <laughs> <laughs> so it should that should tell it. you about uh the other podcasts I guest on and <laughs> not fun they often are. <laughs> yeah, I I do my best to make sure this is not the uh the Ira Glass hour that I was so exposed to for a long time. But we're not talking about Ira. We're talking about you. This is the after <laughs> oh, show. Lord. This is now your show. You're mm. now the host. I'm okay. now your guest. Hooray. I will answer any question that you ask. It doesn't matter how personal or how professional. I am here for it. I Ooh. literally have nothing else to do for the rest of the day. So you can take as little or as long as you want. But from this point on, this is your show and the hosting power is yours. Oh, all right. Uh, what's your greatest fear? Um, dying and no one remembering anything that I did for them. And Does I know it... that sounds like super deep, but it's like really true. Oh no, I, I my uh, that is mm, my I I don't know if I fear dying or not, but I have a similar similar like I fear uh just. Uh, leaving behind hurt in the world but but this is my show now why am i talking uh all right what (laughs) what um what is it what exactly is your i mean you don't need to say say exactly but what what is your jobby job consist of because i'm not smart enough to figure it out based on the your twitter bio and like the website you link to like is that your what company do you work for or what do you do? So, so I just started. I've only been there for a month now, but um, I work for a company called Elastic. We are the search company that you've never heard of, but is everywhere. We power like search 
on websites. So Spotify, how does Spotify, like if you type in some stuff, how does Spotify surface all of that? They do it through our platform. Um, and then we, we build like the database and then like the backend analytics side and then the ingest and all that stuff. And the fun thing is the core service is completely free and it's open source, which means that literally oh. anybody can use it and anybody can make their own like changes to it. And if they're good enough, you can tell us about it and we'll even add it into the product. And then we do have like a paid thing where, you know, we host your servers and all that. And then, but it's like, we're just, you're just paying us to like host stuff for you. And then we also provide like enterprise level support and all that stuff. So we're a company that literally makes billions of dollars off of free software. (laughs) Well, that that leads to the next question I was going to ask you, which is, do you think they pay you fairly? Um, they pay my insurance, (laughs) like not, not they give me insurance that I have to pay. They pay my insurance and they pay into my health savings account at the maximum level. And huh. I got a 20 and I got a, let's see, this is on the bonus feed. So I can say this. I got a $20,000 raise from my previous job. Oh my God. <laughs> so. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Alex Scott. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a very jealous and envious person. <laughs> we, we are hiring another person. So anyone look, anyone that's interested in becoming a developer advocate, let me know. I will, I will show you where to apply, but I don't have any kind of clout. So I can't promise you you'll get hired. Well, and that's my uh, great, great segue on your part. What is a developer advocate? Uh, is it, I, I guess I'm, my imagining is sort of, sort of like what, um, Guy Kowalski, whoa, what's his name? The, the guy at Apple who was, uh, yeah, yeah. Who is the evangelist? Is that kind of what you are like getting the, finding interesting folks to work on the platform? So yes and no kind of. I think um, for the, for a long time, it was called developer relations and it was because it was called developer evangelism. Um, I think of it as almost an influencer for the company, but like I work for him though. So it's, it's my job to go on Twitter and find people that are doing really cool stuff and talk to them and get them even more excited about the stuff that we're doing so that they talk to their bosses about how they should pay us hundreds of thousands of dollars to use our software. <laughs> and like, I, I do that. And then I have, to, I give a lot of like conference talks and talk at meetups. So when, when I say it's like my job to just be like, Oh, Hey, yeah, I work for elastic. Like that's, that is actually that's, my that's job. It. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's my job to tell people about about the company um, and and even talk about it on the podcast. So I earned my pay, and I'm going to take an hour off tomorrow because oh hell yes, <laughs> oh fuck yes, that is me snapping. Uh, I don't know what. Well, what's your favorite favorite part of your job? Um, so far, again, I've only been doing this for about a month now. So far, it's finding out that people that you like, not know personally, but that you like look up to, 
like Paul Jarvis <laughs> and like Jack Ellis and like all of the stuff that they're doing with Fathom Analytics, getting an email from them that says, oh, dude, we love your product. <laughs> like oh, that's, wow. That, that is like the coolest thing ever. That's the thing that I like when I get to see those success stories. It's like, oh, hey, by the way, we, you know, Blizzard Entertainment pulls in over a terabyte of data a day into our databases. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, hearing those stories is just like, wow, this is awesome. Oh, that's, that is wild. Wonderful. Uh, okay, okay. Um, well, what has your life been like during, uh, you know, the, the pandemic? And, and not to give away your upset, but like, is... What is your area of the country looking like right now? Or, or uh, yeah, you know, like, ha- <laughs> I hate the phrase going back to normal because normal oh, was no. terrible. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I'm fine with it. I'm, I'm in San Diego. It's really hot. Um, there have been fires, you know, oh. a normal San- year in San Diego. Uh, let's see. Before I got this job, I was working at like a super corporate corporate job, which was probably why I was doing so much to like get out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I have pre-existing health conditions. And when I heard about all of the stuff that was happening, I was just like, yeah, no, I don't trust y'all enough to... To like work in the office. So I'm going to work from home now. And they were like, no, you can't do that. And I said, well, what? Okay, well, I was like, you have two choices. Either oh. I work from home or I quit. And they were like, okay, you can work from home. And then like the next week, everybody was working from home. And they, at the first sign of like, okay, they're allowing people to come back in. They were like, all right, everybody come back in. And I was like, uh, we've already had this discussion. That's not going to happen. They're like, okay, fine. You can stay home. Literally the next week, my manager who sits in the next office to me gets COVID. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and oh, and no. I'm just like, no, no, not at all. Like, this this is why we can't have nice things. So it's it's been stressful mostly in that for the longest I was working with a company that didn't want to play, I guess, to be safe, to be kind of like preventative. They were, and the best part is they're a cleaning company. They, they, I can't, I can't even begin to understand how, like, uh, it's, it's like when certain people, call it a hoax and then get it and you don't want to be like oh my god how have the tables turned but at the same time you're just like well what do you expect to happen um but anyway <laughs> um so yeah it's been interesting like now i share an office with my wife and i mean i will be sharing an office with my wife permanently now um but it was something that I'm one of those folks that has said, like, as much as it has sucked, it has been extremely valuable for me in that I've I basically got to watch my daughter turn to like Mm -hmm. one to two. I was around for the majority of it. And I think about that, like my mom worked two jobs for most of my childhood life until I was a teenager. So 
I remember hanging out with my cousins a lot and going to like sleeping over at friends' houses every weekend or going to visit my dad because my mom had to like go work for places in like another state. And like, I never wanted to have that experience with Jan. And it's like, I'm watching her grow up and I've seen her grow up so much, even in like the eight months that we've been doing this. So for me, it's been like, wow, this is amazing. Now, granted, I could have done that before. There was nothing preventing me from working remotely other than the fact that my old company wouldn't let me. Mm -hmm. So again, it shouldn't have taken a pandemic to cause that to happen. But it was the kick in the pants that got me to, you know, go after a new job, change my how I work and where I work a lot, go back to bullet journaling instead of the productivity monstrosity that I was trying to do before <laughs> and all those things. And yeah, like it's as much as it sucks, I'm kind of kind of thankful for it, I guess, in some weird, sick and twisted way, I guess. I don't know. I I, I don't think it's weird or like twisted at, at all. Um, Cause I mean, I, I mentioned that the phrase going back to normal kind of makes my blood boil a little bit. And it's like, yeah, you want to go back to normal because your life was awesome before. <laughs> uh, I, there's, there's not a ton of people who want things to, to go back to normal. Uh, and I, I think that's why it's really interesting to see w w what, like what types of folks are kind of thriving during the the pandemic like people whose companies have the the means to let them work at home and and still work at home now and I'm so, so happy that you got to ugh, watch your kid grow up. Oh, my God. I'm going to cry. I, oh, mm, goodness. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, well, while I'm suppressing that emotion, what what is a question that you wish people would ask you more that you're not asked? Uh, let's see. Why... Of a good one because I, I know that there's like there's a thousand questions. Well, that in itself is interesting. Why it's so hard? I, I know <laughs> this is why I do this because <laughs> so, at this point, like, I, I go in having all of these questions and I usually wind up learning so much from my guests. That it's like, I want the conversation to keep going. And I'm terrible at like answering a question so that I can like spin it back to them, not the, the exact same question, but use it as an excuse to learn more. I think the biggest question that I would have is like, what do I, what would it take to be content with what I'm doing? I guess that's probably like the one question. And you're well, not allowed to ask it. Well, okay. <laughs> I'm Our, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, sure. you do what you oh, want. Oh, oh, uh, well, hey, Jay, uh, apropos of nothing, what, what, would, what would it take to make you, uh, you know, fulfilled and content in your life? Um, well, in my life, like, oh man, I just want to have fun. Like, 
honestly, I'm I'm pretty content right now. Like I'm not I'm not like resting on my laurels, but I'm still I'm still like punch drunk from the fact that I got my dream job. Like that's that's pretty cool. But I think I I, I was recently a guest on a show called uh, This Developing Story uh, with a friend of mine. And it's not out yet, so I'm waiting for that to come out. But they asked me like what's my plan now that I'm in this role where my job is to literally influence the community. Mm-hmm. And I, I gave them kind of like the hip hop line of like, the goal has always been make bread. So the whole family eats. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in my mind, I think, I think that's what it takes. The, like a great example of this, the first person that I ever interviewed for Pitt was Francesco D'Alessio. Are you I don't familiar? know who that is. Okay. He has a YouTube channel called Keep Productive. Um, again, this was like the super, super, super productivity focused, like productivity porn type podcast that it was back in the day. <laughs> uh, so the fact that this was before he had started his YouTube channel and now watching him put out, you know, videos that get tens of thousands of the views a day and having like a successful career, having people like Matthew Casanelli tell me like, I never would have gotten into podcasting had I not been on your show. Like when people say stupid stuff like that and totally gas me up and get, get me all big headed, like part of me is happy because I know that I have introduced somebody to something that they probably wouldn't have tried on their own, which I think is a lie. I think, I think Matthew would have wound up getting into podcasting eventually, but I know for someone, for someone out there, like they're not going to want to start a rock band because they're a young black kid that grew up in like the South where like, if you didn't listen to hip hop and you weren't in a gang, you were kind of ostracized. Mm -hmm. I know I've been that kid. If that person reaches out to me and says, Hey, I've been, you know, following the work that you do for, like I said, almost 20 years now, you know, with me and like questionable content, that's when I'll be content. When, when I have, I have folks all the time that are like, Hey, I started listening to your show like three or four years ago. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. But they're like the same old techie white dudes. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, yeah, you know, whatever. But when I have like a kid that looks like me, acts like me is quirky and challenged and wants to basically like buck the system because they think socialism makes way more sense than capitalism. Because if we're all working to help each other out, then can we really be, upset with the things that we have and don't have but when someone comes to me and says like hey you gave me the courage to like start a local protest about something that i didn't agree with like that's when i'll be content what would oh okay so that hasn't happened yet the the local protest that is such a good answer oh my god 
you're definitely going to do that. I can tell. But uh, like, <laughs> that is, I, I don't like being, saying I'm sure of many things, because uh, I still think Trump is going to win. Oh my God. Uh, I, but I, I, do too. I mean, <laughs> that as, was my as next much as question. it sucks, like, <laughs> he got sick and I was like, dang it. I know. I know. <laughs> like, like it's uh, sh- sure. I don't want anybody to ever die from this. I think it sucks. But at the same time, like, sympathy votes suck but they do happen which if if you're familiar with justin robert uh, robert young listen to the latest episode oh, of Raise the dead yeah i was just like dang it <laughs> like <laughs> yeah i mean that's that was a uh, that was part of this you know fr- fridays like i i i was like i'm going to allow myself to have whatever feelings I want about this over the weekend. And I don't like whatever. Uh, and then I can face the realities of this on Monday. Uh, I, well, and that also kind of leads me to my next question. Do you think that sort of in over the summer, like the people that you interact with, because you seem to be around a bunch of super uh, nerdy white probably a bunch of white guys all the time do you think that like folks are actually continuing to remember that black lives matter in terms of like the tech sphere that you're in no i i I mean oh man okay do it buddy i knew what the answer was i knew (laughs) what the yes or no answer was gonna be but I don't put people on blast, (laughs) but it was interesting that everyone in the tech space was shouting Black Lives Matter. And then all of a sudden, two executives at a business that I respected and still like, but I'm just kind of tired of their bullshit, started complaining about how a billion dollar company wasn't treating them fairly. And then the tech world lost their shit. Yeah. <laughs> and in my mind, I was like, wait a minute. We know what's happening. Why are we forgetting already? Why? Like, what? <sighs> uh, like, uh, peep. Okay. I have ADHD. I understand that something new, I don't want to say something new and shiny because that whole trope just sucks, but something new can get my attention and all of a sudden I can become so obsessed with it to the point that like, I'm thinking about all of the mathematical equations required to make it happen. I totally get that. I love productivity, which is why I have to be an analog productivity person because I will spend countless hours trying to build the perfect system. So I need to put limitations in place. But the thing is, I can't, I'm not going to say that what happened with Hay was a publicity stunt. I know that it wasn't. Nobody works that hard and puts people through that kind of crap, or at least, well, sorry, no one outside of the gaming industry. I agreed. But I understand just like now, with the whole epic thing, which that's a whole another can of worms, but I understand how if you piss off the indie developers by being basically the biggest indie development company 
even because they're not they're not an indie company I yeah wish people would stop calling them an indie company Indeed. because they're not <laughs> uh they're from chicago i'm <laughs> yeah the, yes. the, i don't think uh yeah you you, you hit it on the head uh, so <laughs> feeling these darling sympathies of oh they're gonna stand up for the little guy no they're not they're gonna get their way and then they're gonna start yelling about the next thing that they're upset about because that's what they do and that's what they've always done and we get so we as in people in the tech tech twitter sphere get so caught up in what's happening in latest trends that to me the message of black lives matter became a topic of discussion and not something that needed to be a movement and that's why like the the really crappy decision with Kentucky wanting to burn themselves to the ground by not prosecuting the police officers that murdered Breonna Taylor. <sighs> that felt good to say. say. Um, the fact that they're... So people are forgetting about that already. People were mad again for like a week and then it, it disappeared because someone got COVID. And I know that someone was the president or whatever, but at the same time, you mentioned it earlier, like... I'm so used to people that look like me getting shot that when it happens, I cry. And then the next day I have to just sit there and go, well, you knew it was going to happen again. Mm -hmm. And then this time it felt so different. Like my wife is white. I should say that. So my wife is white. Um, my daughter is mixed and I had people on her side of the family call me and say, look, I've been complacent. I've been complicit in this. Like I'm wrong. I need you to tell me what I should do. And I was like, so hopeful that like, yes, changes are about to happen. <laughs> and then the rest of the world just kind of forgot. And it sucks. <laughs> it really sucks. How does it feel to have been reached out to and been like hey t tell me tell me what to do d like was that w did, did it feel okay because it was like your family uh or has it been have have folks in uh, like white folks like myself started coming to you for advice on what to do and how do yeah, you like feel job. about that <laughs> well like... well that's the thing yeah like fuck yes that's exactly how it should yeah yeah right <laughs> i get what you're saying though but yeah i got yeah. a job from it <laughs> it was great but the the thing the thing is it is not my responsibility to tell a human being how to act like a decent human being and the fact that we're still having to do this just tells me that nothing has changed in 200 some odd years. The fact that I think at this point, I would rather them ask me and me just help them. But... Again, it, it, it felt different in that I had people that had truly just been my friend. Like, 
I had people that like I enjoy talking to on a regular basis be like, yo, I have not done enough. And I was like, what are you talking about? You've, you've been an amazing friend. And they're just like, no, I need to do more. Like, let me figure out how to do this. And like, sure enough, again, I desperately, I, oh, I sincerely mean that they got me hired. I had people in very high places at, in organizations and companies throw my name out and people started emailing me saying, Hey, we're looking for someone with your skill set. Can you come in for an interview? So yes, the thing is, it sucks that it takes someone dying for other black people to get an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And that scares me a little because I think about how many people don't get those calls. I got those calls because I make it my priority to know a ton of people. Like there's a a good uh, podcast that I listen to called the coolest nerds in the room. And it's two black folks in tech talking about life, not even talking about tech. They don't really talk that much about their tech stuff, but the benefit of talking to them um, is one. Now they're good friends of mine. I've had them on the show and stuff. Shout out to Reggie and shout out to Stephanie. But but Reggie said something last week on his show that was like, I want to be the person that everyone gets value from, even when I can't provide that value directly. And that's mm. kind of how I felt. That's how I've always wanted to be. I wanted to be in that position of like, I don't have all of the answers, but I have a network of people to where I can get you the answer relatively quickly. And because of that, people have seen my worth, I guess. And I just think there are so many people out there that won't get the same opportunities I got because I happen to be at the right place at the right time. Even though I did the work, I will say I did the work, but they're also doing the work. And I will say I'm privileged in many ways. Some people are more privileged. Some people are very, 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 very less privileged. And I acknowledge my privilege. I also acknowledge my lack of privilege in some ways. I won't be content until the till the playing field is level. Just flat out. Like I love that Mike wants to have a more diverse community. And I love the fact that he hasn't wanted to introduce more just cis white people talking about Apple. But I do want to see the the folks that I follow, the folks that I listen to, the folks that I respect. I want to see them represent more people. I want Bookworm to talk about more queer books. I want Bookworm to talk about books from black authors. I want to see more people of color show up on Do By Friday. Like, all those things. Like, the people that I love that are doing so many great things, I don't want to get complacent and tell them that they're, you know, they're doing just enough because... We're not. Yeah, (laughs) sorry. When when people call me and they're like, yeah, when people call me and they're like, I haven't been doing enough, I'm like, all right, well, if you haven't been doing enough, I guess here's some something else that you can do. So it's like for me, like, I want to be, I want to be, I want people to ask me what they can do to be better, but I want them to do it. (laughs) Like when Mm -hmm. I give them the advice, I just want them to do it. And I want them to do it for more than three weeks and then forget about it whenever some company gets upset with Apple and starts throwing a hissy fit. <laughs> oh no, my email. Uh, so. <laughs> hey! 
<laughs> well, and and uh, th- well, this was my g- going to be my next c- question. Actually, was like in in relation to like shows like Do by Friday that aren't really about anything but friendship. How would you like? We we obviously definitely haven't had enough uh, black folks. Or POCs on the show, really. But one thing we're str- we have always struggled with is like, um, and we talked with our pal Anita Sarkeesian about this. But like, it's like, how do we signal? Oh, this person is, uh, it, like, is super influential in their community and really funny, and not not be like, also look at look at we got a black person. <laughs> look at look at we we checked the box, everybody. We did the black square. Um, because because that's sort of uh like uh, I'll be real. It'll, I mean, based on it is also like based on you know where they were uh raised and stuff. But in in the Midwest in Chicago, like or rather in Chicago, like the obviously the segregation level is like fucking off the roof and horrific but in the suburbs everybody has the same sort of dialect and so (laughs) you had people on the show where you're like oh god I sound so white and I'm like I don't know how to fix that I'm sorry (laughs) but uh I but so which is why my way of asking and uh other people of color have asked me this. I'm like, I don't, dude, I don't fucking know. Is how do you go and represent yourself without being the token? And this is, you know, all marginalized people. Like, how do you feel like you, you are doing your work where you got, got a job from it, sort of, sort of, but like you said, you're also incredibly talented and well, you didn't say you're incredibly talented, but I am going to say incredibly talented. Like how, how do you do that? How do allies be better at amplifying the, the folks they work with and like their, their guests or their co-hosts without tokenizing them? Because again, I, Oh, the the queer and race analogies get so messy so fast. Any sort of analogies to marginalized folks get uh, really messy really fast. But I I often don't want people to like. What is the first? Do do okay. If you were on Dubai Friday, would you like us to be like, and here's our friend Jay. He is black. He's an amazing, intelligent engineer. Also, he's black. Like how, uh, what do you think is the best way to do that? So I I will say I try to, I try to lead by example. Um, I hope I didn't ask any questions that involved your, your sexual orientation during our interview at all. I don't think I did. I hope I didn't. <laughs> I I don't I don't think so. I don't know because we just <laughs> talked about our fun nerdy shit. <laughs> exactly. But that's that's the that's the key is be deliberate about bringing people on to talk about the things that they're passionate about talking about. If that conversation is about you know race in America or um, being a part of the LGBT, I'm not going out of respect and fear of messing it up. I'm not going to continue with letters, LGBTQIA+. <laughs> um, 
I know I forgot stuff. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, um, dude, I don't even know. I don't. I don't know. Like it is. It is problematic that I say say do sometimes. It's also like problematic that I don't remember the letters of my own fucking community sometimes. But no human is perfect. <laughs> I mean, I I have my complaints with the NAACP. If it makes you feel better, <laughs> um, the 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 thing that I have tried to do, especially this year. Um, well, hold on. Several years ago, I interviewed a friend of mine named uh, Saranya Bark. Uh, she's a first-generation American. She is a CEO, and she is a boss. And she will be the first to tell you that. And she's absolutely awesome and wonderful, and I love her to death. Her, her husband, Rob, they're both some of the most amazing people that I've ever met. And when I had her on the show for, like, episode, like, 15, she was like how come you haven't had any black people on the show? And I was like, I had one. And then I realized what I had just done. And she was like, nah, you're failing. And I was like, well, what do we talk about? We don't want to talk about what it's like to be two black people in tech. And they were, she was like, yeah, then don't talk about that. Like you have a career. They have a career. Talk about their career. They have things that they're passionate about. Talk about those things. I, my rule of thumb is like, not every black person wants to talk about how George Floyd's death impacted them in, in a monumental way. It did. It really did. But we're so tired of talking about it. And we don't want to come on your podcast to talk about it. Like, I love productivity. I will talk about productivity stuff all day. My wife gets so mad at me because I'm like, oh, hey, Todoist just released boards. And she's like, I don't know who Todoist is and I don't know what boards do. And I'm like, oh, but it's this whole Kanban thing. And it's like, oh yeah, Kanban's when you have this whole three, two. And then she's like, I don't care. And I'm like, oh, okay, fair enough. I need to talk to other people about this. I'm sorry, I'm- I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's such a good cause. So many good, good um, fantastic answers that I'm, I'm going to point people to. And then I'm, that I'm like, just imagining uh, someone being like, today we talk about Todoist boards, and Jay tells us how he feels about systematic racism and the murder. (laughs) In this episode, (laughs) Kanban, will it work Uh, for your business? Also, (laughs) systemic racism, do you see it happening in the workplace? Like, like what? Nobody nobody wants to have that conversation. Oh. Oh, the thing. Well, Starbucks sure does. Um, but <laughs> gosh, uh, man, what are well? And I'm I'm also trying to think of. Mm, oh, here is a question. Mm, mm, I don't want to get in trouble. All <laughs> questions are allowed. It's your show. You do what you want. Uh, I. Mm, mm, we should talk about some uh, podcast networks later uh, that we enjoy. <laughs> but <laughs> okay. uh, what what do you what um, what was another? I, I had a real question that actually. Oh oh, um, favorite? Are you a book person? Uh, I try to be. I fail, but I, try <laughs> to be. I suck it. Like. Oh, man. Okay. So the last book that I read, like cover to cover, 
was the bullet journal method. And the book before that was The Art of Asking by Amanda Palmer. And before that, it was How to Be Everything by Emily Wapnick. So yeah, I again, I'm, I'm a nerd in the nerdiest of ways. And I read self-help productivity books. And I have a good, I have a few good uh, fiction cult jams that I like, mostly about the Chinese <laughs> cultural revolution, but it's fine. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Well, you should put those in show notes for for okay. me, uh, but, but, but like fuck books. Well, not fuck books. <laughs> I, hate, I, I, I love books, but I, I hate the question of what are the three books that have influenced you the most in your life? I mean, but, I can but, totally answer those in some awesome ways. Uh, Balzac and the Little Chinese Seamstress, which is a fiction book that I will link. Um, uh, is Amazon okay? I know some people don't like Amazon, and I can send like bookshops.org, but Amazon just shows up immediately. <laughs> Here's the thing with like I, Amazon is like I I get put so many things aren't on Bookshop that if someone is going to use Bookshop, they are going to use it anyway you know what i mean like they get an amazon link and like i i don't know i think it's a lower barrier to entry it sucks but okay. a lot of authors i or, or um my one black friend my one author <laughs> god damn <laughs> it, i sound like that now um but it yeah no i feel yeah like well especially um books that have been translated in different like, and anyway but well all, what what piece of media this year has influenced you the the most do you think um this year i so i'm terrible when it comes to all media other than podcasts because i don't watch movies unless my daughter is watching them i've watched tangled like 15 times <laughs> well then what, <laughs> what podcast that what, what whatever all right, I'm I I'm gonna try this because I was on Friends in Your Ears and yeah, it was kind of it was kind of hard. Yeah, oh, psh. talk about people that we both know and love. Oh, Kathy is just the bat. Oh, gosh. So the business that is productivity and tech because it actually is also a sole proprietorship is basically what Kathy does, but for developers. And I had to call her and like beg her forgiveness when I realized that. And she was like, no, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm still going to hire you one day. I promise <laughs> I will pay you for this. Um, dang, I'm, I'm really trying to, cause there's just so many. I'm like, I've, I've been listening to my bim bam forever. Um, God, it's so hard. That's what she said. Oh, that was rude. <laughs> we were both That's not rude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, in fact, that's what many she's are, are saying right now, probably. And good, no. good, good, for for, good for everybody in that consensual situation. Awesome. <laughs> if I wasn't doing this, I would want to be enjoying something like that. So why? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think I'm going to go with hmm. I really don't want to cop out and just say my bim bam cuz That's not a cop out at all. Okay. I'm I'm going to say this and uh, but I can't say why. Do by Friday. 
And there's a, there's a there's a very clear reason why it has impacted me, and I can't say why. And the only thing I will say is, stuff happened. It happened. It got addressed, and people moved on. And I oh, think that oh. hmm. that was very very one professional, a big relief, and then. It showed once again that people are human and that people there's like it's that that it was more the conversation was more important than all of the things happening inside of the conversation, not necessarily the things that were happening outside of that. We have no control over that. But I will say that as someone who is terrified of saying and doing the wrong thing or offending somebody or saying something that will have my show canceled forever. When something happens and you're able to just address it with respect and for everyone and say, we're going to keep going. That to me gives me the encouragement to know that it is okay. If I screw up once or twice. Oh, that means a lot dude thanks that mm. yeah that and, and and again i i i understand that it's definitely a, a difficult subject oh i mean we and... don't talk talk about i, I mean it's no I, I, what, no, no? okay okay <laughs> i i i i'm having so much fun i don't want to ruin it and i'm also <laughs> looking up books oh uh well i mean, i was gonna say with the, with the books it's it's i i think like I also read a t- actually pre- presently probably still read a lot of uh, productivity porn and I think that can also be informative because I I read uh so good they can't ignore you and literally threw mm-hmm. it in the trash um but <laughs> I, but then read deep work and I'm like this is okay this is like an evolution and it seems better I I, I don't know I think even sometimes like there's only so much shit you can swallow but a little bit of it can help you be a bit immune in the future. I don't know. I hope there was. So I don't know what got me excited about the Chinese cultural revolution. I think it's the whole part of like people being forced to forget everything that they thought and believed and whether and being subjugated to, you know, abandonment, slavery, and and so many other things that I feel like my ancestors could probably relate to. But hearing hearing stories like Balzac and the Little Chinese Seamstress, like a story of a kid who falls in love and is almost punished in a way that they have to hide their books and but they still find ways to hold on to these little things that mean the most to them. Like it's just such a beautiful story. And then, um, most of the books by Haruki Murakami, um, he's absolutely amazing. He like writes for little Japanese teenagers everywhere. And I wish I was one of them sometimes. Cause I feel like I lived in Japan for a while and it just seems like a, a lot of the, a lot of the craft that we deal with, they've kind of gotten figured out. Um, but his book, what I talk about when I talk about running, which is an entire book about his whole writing process, not and in, in like the guise of him talking about the fact that he's 
like an ultra marathon runner is absolutely amazing. But, oh man, there's just, I haven't had a series of, of books or an author outside of those two that wrote fiction that like really just grabbed me and kept, kept my attention for long enough. And I, I blame ADHD. Some people will blame the fact that a lot of people don't like reading these days. And then I also, I mean, I'm an auditory person. Like I love hearing stories told, not necessarily reading about them. So, uh, audible. Oh boy. I don't want to give you more of my money. I'm not going to. It's fine. Isn't it tough? Like, oh, oh man, tough. I, uh, I, I, I steal many an audiobook uh, that I can if if I'm like okay sometimes I google like how much of a residual the author gets on something and if it's like nothing I'll like buy the book and gift it to someone else and then pirate the audiobook <laughs> cuz I've actually really gotten into audiobooks this this year um and yeah they're 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 great T- turns out some of them are really good <laughs> Uh, I mean, what I, I don't want to like, see, I could ask you questions l- literally all night, but I don't know. Hold on. I got to take off my sweatshirt because I'm very, very warm. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. The because uh, I turn my I'm not in a studio. So I just turn. Um, and also, if you're talking, I'm sorry, because I took off my very ugly, but very comfy headphones. Um and oh, that's that's much better. Goodness, um, <laughs> you you s- said you're an auditory person. Uh, do you what do you want to see come out of podcasting as it grows even more as a medium? Um, I want more musicians to break down their process. Like, I would listen now. Let, now I have to check if there's a Jack White podcast. I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to listen to it a lot because I don't know much about the person, but the White Stripes like were my band for so long. And I could go on for days about some of the other folks out there that I've listened to that like changed my mindset. Like if Jacob Collier did a podcast. Oh, hours. sorry. Who's that? Jacob Collier is Jacob Collier is like the musician's musician. Um, it's funny because the first time you listen to him, you're just kind of like, what is this weirdness that I'm listening to? Like, I can't, I can't deal with this. And then like the 20th time that you've listened to it, you're just like, I get it. <laughs> you're like, you see so <laughs> many things. And, and so you use logic, right? I do indeed. Okay. So let me find this video on YouTube. Jacob, one of Jacob Collier's songs. Well, most of the songs that he's put out lately, he'll do a logic breakdown on how he arranged the <gasps> songs in logic. Oh, and, shit. <laughs> yeah. It is like the coolest thing ever. And, and he's sitting there like, you know, I might have like 600 tracks on this. And I'm just like, <gasps> it's like a three hour <laughs> video. And I'm just like, this is the best. <laughs> When I have 20 tracks, I'm like, fuck me. It's, <laughs> I, did, I don't know I how a, people do this. It's amazing. 
I I edited an eight track like pod gaming podcast this morning and was just like, yeah, we're gonna have to start syncing this audio outside of this because oh, it was it, it oh this sucks. But yeah, Jacob Collier is one of those folks that it just like the stuff that he does is so cool, but then like it takes someone appreciating the process of making things to, to really get why he's so cool. And the fact that he just casually flexes that he won four Grammys last year was just like, <laughs> all right, well, <laughs> he did a tiny you know desk concert and like the Grammys just kind of sat there on a record player kind of collecting dust. And I'm just like, all right, Oh, dude. that's amazing. <laughs> that's really funny. Oh my God. <laughs> you, you mentioned... <laughs> You mentioned a gaming podcast. Do you, wait, do you have more than one show? Uh, yeah. So active right now, I do another show called Bob's Tavern Cast, which is a Hearthstone Battlegrounds podcast. And yeah, that's just so that I can talk about gaming. I can talk about Hearthstone with some friends of mine. Uh, there's really no... <laughs> there's no other reason. <laughs> I'm like, hey, what happened in the news? We're going to talk about it. Okay, cool. I get to get really bad puns out because why not but i have that um it's on hiatus because we need to find another person uh but i did a show called devotaku for a while where it was me and a few friends of mine from different backgrounds doing um we're all developers but one of us was a cis white male in great britain i was a cis black male in california and then we had a um bisexual and genderqueer uh, person from the Pacific Northwest. And we were talking about how Cowboy Bebop spoke to all of us in very different ways. (laughs) Holy shit, I think I've heard that show. Really? Oh my God. (laughs) I might have, I don't know. I, I, huh. Oh my gosh. Well, I need to go look at, look at that and go and look in Overcast. We didn't finish it because everybody got busy with life. We got through like episode like 12 and I mean, Cowboy Bebop's only like 14 episodes long and we could just finish it, but we didn't. And now like, I want to finish it so bad and I want to go on to like another anime, but at the same time, I'm also like, I'm doing way too much stuff. So something's got to give. And, uh, I've kind of combined all the other shows. I used to do a show called what I'm, which is literally just whatever I was doing at the time, like what coffee I was drinking, what video games I was playing, uh, what books I was pretending to read. Um, and then the pit reflections, which kind of merged with the pit podcast to become this new pit mm-hmm. show thing that I'm doing. And then I used to do one with my wife called a geeky family podcast. And we, we, we have a, a toddler. So we were like, we could either keep doing this or we could go to sleep. <laughs> and we decided to go to sleep. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's... Oh, I did a show called Loosely Connected where a friend of mine just talked about whatever was in tech news and how it was loosely connected to some of the weird things. Like, we learned what a haberdasher was from that show. That was kind of cool. That's um, amazing. That's so- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, uh, again, serial podcast starter. I will start a podcast about virtually anything if it has my interest. And as long as people are willing to continue it, we can. I can continue it as long or as little as they want. Um, I think that's, oh, nope. I did a show called Ask a Brit, 
that was like, I want that one to come back. Uh, that same friend of mine that I did Devotaku with, um, I had a bunch of questions because Brexit was happening and we had to deal with Donald Trump. Well, we're still dealing and I guess they're still dealing oh, yeah. too. Um, so we, <laughs> I just wanted to do a show with someone from, from the UK and be like, hey, explain why cookies are biscuits and why biscuits are cookies. And then explain why you won't give Africa back all of their stuff. And <laughs> and it's like, it's it's those conversations where he's like, oh, yeah, well, at least Donald Trump's not my president. <laughs> and then he like walks out. <laughs> I mean, it, uh, I, w- I would say touche, except I, I don't think you can be held responsible for. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Man, this this weekend was a mm. uh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I had a well, and that mm, you that leads me, I think, to another question, sort of, which, which is like, what is most exciting to you in tech right now? Uh, the fact that Brett Terpstra just sent me a link to be on Systematic. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty exciting. Yay! I'm going to be on it tomorrow. Awesome. (laughs) We're recording her episode tomorrow. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Which is why I was thinking about the throwing up. And I'm like, I wonder if I'm going to do this this time since we like know each other. We're buds now. So we'll see. I'll keep you updated. I think think the coolest thing... Well, if we're going to talk about like tech tech... um, Ugh kind of all tech just kind of sucks right now we gotta we gotta mm-hmm. figure out this this tracking thing like the ad track okay here here's a prime example i have a, a raspberry pi with a thing called a pie hole on it which is literally just like <laughs> yeah every everything goes to it well not right now because it's broken and i think my wife is happy of that but whatever um <laughs> But everything used to go through that and it would basically block any type of tracking cookies and like add stuff and those things. Um, and full disclosure, I use Superhuman, the email system. I know that they're problematic with their tracking pixel. I also used to be a marketer. So, yeah, I don't. I get it. <laughs> like, let me just yeah. say, I totally get it. Your data is valuable to people. But how they use it is important. The company that I work for now, we can track a lot of stuff that is available for us to track. Ultimately, we're a database. You can put whatever you want in a database. There are people that put very sick and disgusting things in databases. You can't get mad at the people that built the database for it. I think that there has to be this level of have the ability to do this thing but that doesn't mean that we should and i am excited that people are trying to deal with these problems now there's not a lot of people dealing with it but there's someone like someone is like yo facebook like you should not make the money that you do selling people's data like you shouldn't be both the advertising platform and the advertising seller. Like that's inherently a problem. And there are people who are actively trying to put together things like Raspberry Pi systems and things like that to to stop it. And I mean, I'm happy that like, yeah, I'm an Apple fanboy and Apple is doing things to help 
curved some of the tracking stuff and it seems to be working in some ways. So like, I'm happy about that. Hmm. How do you feel about VR? Uh, I mean, the virtual boy literally changed my life in a fundamental way, but uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, VR I was going to say, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did have a virtual boy. Yes, I played Tetris on it, and I love Tetris to this day. Hands down, my favorite game of all time. Uh, but I think that VR, VR has so many potential use cases that people aren't talking about yet that I can't wait to, to be exposed like the idea, shout out to a, a podcast I listened to called Two Headed Girl, mm-hmm. um, talking about things like body dysphoria mm. and and those type of things. And being in a VR world, like you can put yourself in a situation that can be temporary that says, hey, I don't like this certain thing about myself let me go into a system where I'm interacting with the same people that I normally interact with, but something is slightly different about me and how do I feel about that. And I mean, it also leads me to like one of my favorite movies of all time, which is like Inception. Like the idea of there are people that have lived so long that they prefer their dream state than their real life. Like, I think that there is something therapeutic about that. Not that we should run away from our problems instead of facing them, but I think that it could be used in many ways for therapy that would fundamentally change how we practice therapy in some ways. Like I like I'm a I'm a military veteran. I have certain things that cause PTSD. Um I don't expose myself to Las Vegas a lot even though it's only 4 hours away because of those things. Like the loud noises, the lights and everything, it gives me like this weird dysphoria, like what's going on. I can't go to movie theaters without sitting near an exit. Cause like I'm constantly paranoid that someone's going to like shoot up a place and being able to put myself in a position to where I can watch a movie and like be in a private theater where I know I'm in the safety of my own home and no one can come in and like be crazy. Like to me, that's amazing. <laughs> I want to do that so badly. And I think people are just excited because they finally figured out how to put a headset on someone's face without making them vomit. (laughs) (laughs) How did, oh, sorry, I'm just having so much fun asking you questions. You listening to it by Friday. You know that I like interviewing people and talking to people. Uh, We seem to have a lot of the same uh, political and economic and and social values, I think. How did you... uh, how what led you to the military and then after that sort of led you to the human being that you currently are i i, I will say i was the same human being um oh yeah i apologize was, i didn't mean to imply yeah. like how does <laughs> no, how no, no, did no, all no, of that no. blend to, <laughs> does that blend together <laughs> so i knew that in order to like when i joined the military i had lost my apartment and a friend of mine that I had graduated from high school with had just gotten back from boot camp. So I was definitely in a vulnerable position that he took advantage of and shame on him. But I mean, I moved across the country and now I have a pretty good life. So thank you, I guess. Um, the 
the military was an opportunity for me to travel all over the world some more and to have experiences that I wouldn't have on my own because I was a poor black kid from like backwoods, Tennessee. So I took it and I would only take it if I could do it on my terms. So term one was I wanted to work in technology. So I became a data network specialist. I like ACE the ASVAB. I got like the second highest score you can get. What, they basically what is that? Said what, the ASVAB is a, um, think of it as like a placement test, like those tests that, you know, uh, Oh, like a lawyer people. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically they test your intellectual, mechanical and logical skills to see if you should become like an engineer or if you should just become like a rifleman. Um, and basically after I took the test, they just kind of handed me the book and said, pick a job. And I was like, all right, well, all right, cool. Let's do networking. Um, so I did that. Um, my other stipulation was I wanted to, uh, do a tour in Japan. So yeah, that happened. I got stationed in Okinawa Ooh. for a year, one year. I well for that year, I joined what's called, uh, the Marine expeditionary unit, which meant that I deployed for most of that year. And then for the second year, they asked me to stay on. So I did. And then the third year, I asked if I could stay on again, which normally doesn't happen. Uh, and they agreed. So I got to live in Japan for three years. That was dope and would love to do that again sometime. Um, so and then in that time, I got to travel all over Southeast Asia. Like, I mean, I've been to see, I've been to South Korea, Hong Kong. Hong Kong again, the Philippines like six, seven times, Singapore twice, Thailand three times, Malaysia, Cambodia, Indonesia twice, and the worst part of Australia. So, like, <laughs> what, what, wait, what's the worst part of Australia? <laughs> Darwin. <laughs> it's like the, it's a little American army base, like in the backwoods of australia it sucked oh it was so bad it was like the worst um but yeah like i i knew exactly what i wanted to get out of the military and i played the game to get my way and i like played it flawlessly so that i did my five years and then they were like well you you know you're not going to be able to really get a job out there no one wants to hire a veteran da, 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 da. and i was like uh jokes on you already got a job lined up homie i start a <laughs> month before i technically get out so <laughs> like, wow so i i mean again it was it was literally just a game to to do exactly what i wanted to do and i executed on it flawlessly and then at that point it gave me a point of understanding that for so many people, like I met so many people that like they got their citizenship by joining the military, which I mean, there's something to say about that in general of like, Hey, come fight for a country that ultimately could deport you at any time. Like that. Okay. That's interesting, but cool. I'm glad that it worked out. Uh, but I mean, I got to meet so many people from different backgrounds. I got to experience a ton of different cultures. Like, I got to learn a little bit of a bunch of different languages. Not enough to, to really be fluent in anything, but enough to show respect. And 
I mean, honestly, now, I mean, the company I work for is worldwide. We're all distributed. We have people in many of the places that I've been to. So like I can talk with them on a level that's like, oh, wow, you actually know something about the area that I live in. That's super cool. And and again, it's it's that matter of knowing people and having a connection with them that allows you to say you need something and people are willing to help you out. How do you think that the military in 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 general can basically recruit folks better recruit folks without preying on people who are more vulnerable vulnerable like just poor or marginalized folks how how do we get people to, to to like play the system the way that you did or do you think that's not possible I think it's possible, but I think people have to understand that the system can be played. Uh, that's and and again, I think that that plays a part into kind of like what my goal in life is in general. Is I didn't have anyone telling me that I could be a programmer because black people didn't program where I grew up. They sold drugs. Like, sure, it's a stereotype. Is it true? Yes. Are most of my friends in jail now? Yes. So. Yeah, that that was the thing. You either used it or you sold it. I didn't have those people around me. So by telling the stories of people like, hey, you can travel all over the world for free. Actually, sorry, you can get paid to travel all over the world, work for a week and then go party for five days in like a foreign country. Like, yeah, okay, that sounds like a fun deal. I'll do that. And I mean, okay, it's going to require you to get an impeccable shape over the course of three months and there's a slight chance that you might get sent to missouri but if you play your cards right (laughs) you can you can get around that like you can you can do the things that you need to do to make sure like i had a friend of mine that got stationed in hawaii because he was the only one that asked because everyone everyone else was like yeah no you're never no one ever gets that job no one ever gets that place so no one ever put it in except for him. So he was the only one that got it. And we were all like, well, dang, he got played. So like, there's a lot of opportunities out there that people just don't know about. Like most people don't know that like the post 9-11 GI Bill is a thing. It's like, do you want $125,000 to go to school on? Yeah, <laughs> that sounds great. I mean, that might pay for a semester nowadays, but, but you know, it, it's... It's like these, it's like there's all of this stuff that's available to people that they don't know about and people don't want to talk about and people don't want to tell them about. And it's like, yo, you can totally do this for this. This is fine. I still served my country. I still had bullets fired at me at one point. Like stuff still happened. I took those risks because I deemed them necessary in order to get what I wanted. And at the end of the day, I came out ahead. But I didn't know that it was an option until I sat down and actually talked with people that were in that position that said, yeah, you can totally do that. And here's how. How did you? Oh, sorry. I, when I see I'm in interview and not conversation mode and all of that is just so fucking interesting and cool. Oh, it. my God. Uh, I know. I, 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 this is no, no, no. This is my show. I'm only going to ask questions. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, you can, <laughs> well, it's your show. You could do whatever you want. <laughs> That's the thing. Uh, it, it, what what podcast don't you do now that you would like to? Um. 
probably I think the one that I most want to do is ask a Brit. Um Oh wait, you're talking about a podcast that I used to do that I currently Oh no, don't completely do? new. Okay, okay, okay. Um I want to be a I want to like do a more another conversational podcast where we're talking about current events and like stuff that's happening and sharing stories like I mean like kind of like the reconcilable differences of whoever I would be talking to. I had an idea for a podcast with other black developer advocates. Um, and it would be called Deving while black or DWB, uh, like driving while black, but that whole thing. Um, but all of us are busy and no one really has time for that. But yeah, I think I would want to be on a show where I'm just talking to someone that has like a similar, but different life. And we just talk about how existing things kind of matter to us or don't matter to us. Like, Hey, like, <laughs> I wanted to talk about, like, I did a monologue show for, like, the whole Hey thing when it came out, and I was just like, all right, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to read this, and I'm going to tell people whether or not I think it's a good or, good or a bad idea, and I was like, I mean, yeah, it's interesting, but the way that it is right now, I don't, I mean, it's not for me, so, okay, there, I did it, I'm happy now. Like, a small I'm- indie company. <laughs> <laughs> God. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I, I have respect for the things that they're trying to do. And I would use Basecamp like if, if my clients that I had with Pitt as a business were like, I was using Basecamp for a while and I was the only one using it. And I was like, this is a waste of my money. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, they make good products, but I think ultimately, some of their products are not as good as they claim to be. And some of the decisions that they make with their products are kind of interesting. And people treat them like these prophets of the cultural tech space. Like, oh, they're so woke. They curse on their podcasts. Oh, my God. It's just like, it's like, like who cares? They're just, they're a company. They're doing marketing. They're doing marketing things because that's what marketing is, is what can I say or do to get you to want to invest in my product? What do you think is going to be um, basically the next iPhone? Uh, what is going to define the, the next generation of tech? When we finally crack self-driving cars, like not, and I don't hmm. mean like, I mean like really crack self-driving cars to where there's like a legal guideline about, okay, we're going to have these things on the road and here are the policies in place to make sure that when things do happen or when accidents happen and it's not, it doesn't make the news every time that there's a car wreck and by involving someone that wasn't paying attention to the road because like that doesn't happen all the time. Like once all of those things have been figured out and I, I pray to God, it's not Elon Musk that figures it out. Cause I swear that guy's got too much. He's got more money than he has since. Um, but yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm becoming opinionated now. Um, <laughs> God forbid. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Black man with opinions. Whoa. Oh, easy. <laughs> easy. 
gosh. I, <laughs> I can't I, even joke I about a, that. I had a really oh. bad joke there, and I'm not going. I'm not. <laughs> nope. Nope. Memphis <laughs> dreams. Nope. Mm-mm. Not happening. <laughs> but. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're, um, don't don't want to compromise uh, OPSEC, but is, is is it public? Like where you live? Not where you live, but um, what part of the country you're you're yeah, in? No, I'm, I, t- I tell people I'm in San Diego. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. We just we just talked about that. Yeah. Um, Home of the best tacos in America. <laughs> the I, I I'm going to agree with you because I have I don't know the last time I had a taco. I <laughs> they're very. <laughs> I, I I don't they're very complex and very there's there's so many ingredients and I'm like just give me this little <laughs> almond and I'll eat it um the see people don't people don't listen to my show people who listen to this show are not are gonna be like oh my god uh uh hi audience I'm a super taster I don't like any foods oh, basically I didn't even I didn't even think about that wow, yeah the yeah that's that's why I was oh. like oh it sounds weird because I'm like I don't like tacos but that's like I don't like tacos asterisk uh, wait do you like coffee <laughs> No, no. I like the feeling of the Nespresso pod, uh, the, the, the feeling that it gives me every morning. But I do use a chaser of either a fizzy water or like Diet Coke or like three bottles of water in order to ta- take the taste of the Nespresso espresso out of my mouth. I hate it so much. Like, oh, God. When my... Ugh. But it's my show. Uh, do, do you like coffee? Do you- <laughs> I love coffee. <laughs> like, that's how, how do you make like, your coffee? Uh, I use a Chemex. Um, mm-hmm. I also have a, just a single cut pour over, which is like a cheap version of like a Hario system, but that's kind of whatever. And then I use a manual burr grinder. So I sit there and just like grind Ooh. my beans by hand using a little hand crank like some. <laughs> My wife was like, does it make the beans, does it make the coffee taste better? I was like, yes, the sweat and effort that I'm putting into it, I can taste every drop of it. But I, so I am not one to drink a lot uh, due to life reasons. Um, I had a Marine of mine drink himself into a coma and I haven't gotten drunk since. Um, And... So yeah, I when I do drink alcohol, I am drinking it very specifically for the taste, which means, and not necessarily like, oh, this is like the greatest taste in the world. I like complex flavors. So like if I have a beer that's like a douchey craft beer thing, it's like I if they tell me there's walnuts in it, I want to taste those dang walnuts. And it's like, I want to see like what that tastes like i'm just interested in that and that's kind of like where my coffee habit comes in because usually the coffee that i get is from a single origin so it's from one farm their beans are roasted the day before they're delivered to me and then like when they say like oh there's like a hint of cherry in it it's like okay i'm gonna make this cup of coffee and i'm gonna spend the entire cup hunting for every single cherry that like (laughs) every piece of cherry flavor in there i want to find it and like that's that's why I enjoy coffee, but it, I mean, I would tell people like, I definitely understand like if you're a super taster or if you have, if something that one, 
my coffee's never bitter. If it's bitter, I did something wrong. But it people that take enough time to learn how things are, work, you find unique ways to do things. Like I can tell you if my coffee is going to be strong or weak based on how much water I put in it and how fast I added the water and what the temperature of the water is. And it's just like all of these complex things that can change the chemistry of what your coffee is going to taste like just fascinates me in a way that like very few drinks can do. That was you talk about coffee in the most beautiful and poetic way. Oh my God. Uh, given Marco or run for his money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's got me on headphones. I'm like, I love audio, but at the same time I'm being real with myself. I can't tell a difference. <laughs> I can tell a difference what? like with my mic and like stuff like that. I can tell when someone's using like a Blue Yeti because I use one forever and then like I upgraded. But like I hate the shirt like SM7B. Oh, it's trash. Sorry. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like, so, I feel like someone's going to like it's bust trash. my window out now and be like, you're not an audiophile. And it's like, no, I never said I was. I just... I think that people that try to overbase their their voice are trying to compensate for something. So, <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Um. Uh. What? What? Um. What kind of band were you in, and what instruments did you play, or do you? Play? So, so I was I was a front person. <laughs> um, mm. I I tried to hold down the rhythm. I was very bad at that. Um. I we did a lot of like jam bandy cover stuff, which I think that's where a lot of my like weird cultural stuff's kind of like involved. Um, for the same reasons I like coffee, I like music. Um, Jimi Hendrix is way, way, way too influential in my life. Like Bob Dylan as well. Bob Dylan can't sing, but I mean, granted, he, he wrote yeah, every he wrote every song there ever was. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's like it's funny, like telling people, like, oh, they're like, oh man, that Guns N' Roses song, "Knocking on Heaven's Door." I was like, uh, Bob Dylan wrote that, and then they're like, shut up, no, he didn't. I was like, oh, okay, it's like telling people that Johnny Cash didn't write "Hurt," and they're like, oh, you're lying. And I was like, no, it was not. Do people think that? Oh, I guess they, oh, that's right. Cause the music video and the, G yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. what, what microphone are you using right now? I am. Oh, um, let me get, let me get it right. Cause I always screw it up. Cause I, I always think that it is, I want to say it's the blue, blue bird, but it might be the blue baby bottle, whichever one's cheaper. Cause I mean, I don't got it like that. Wait, is that so? Is it uh, blue? Blue is in the the Yeti company, right? The same company that made Yeti, yeah, uh, yeah. It is a a Bluebird SL. It's like three hundred bucks. It's the uh, it's like their middle of the road um, SLR mic, and then I've got that piped into a Claret um, Four Pre because uh, it was the only USB C audio interface they had <laughs> so oh i mean that's why I, I i put off getting any of my own stuff for so long uh it's because of the USB C compatibility and now i'm on 
finally got a focus right that has USB-C. It's great. Uh, yeah. What is your dream like recording setup? Oh, oh man. Well, if I had a million dollars, um, uh, I'm sorry, that song got stuck in my head all of a sudden. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, there's so many options. I, I Honestly, I don't think the mic matters. The mic matters, but the mic doesn't matter that much. I think I want to invest in, like, actual audio acoustic paneling instead of, like, these $20 Amazon, like, cheap freaking audio panels that don't stay up. And then I would love to have... Oh, hold on. Let me... Opens up opens up sweetwater.com and the only reason i shop at sweetwater.com is because the town that i grew up in was sweetwater tennessee and they're not related in any way but i just think it's a funny coincidence (laughs) uh let's see studio and recording audio interface would definitely wind up being have you seen some of these new audio interfaces like the 16 channel universal audio like setups there's no they're sexy oh they're amazing i want them to have my children my other children (laughs) like (laughs) They are beautiful. Like, I want a full rack mount with actual mic conditioning. Um, Man. I always wanted to be a DJ. So I think, like, if I could and someone was patient enough to, like, show me the ways, I would get, like, a Serato, like, kit and, like, just learn how to DJ. And I wouldn't have a fancy DJ name. Like, that just wouldn't happen. I'd be like, hey, I'm Jay. What's up? <laughs> let's, let's play some music. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> That's delightful. Uh, how how do you like to end your podcasts? Um, I don't know. That's So, the, the pit show for the longest, I ended it with, um, I hope we've been productive. Um, I felt like that was kind of pretentious after like five years. So I stopped. I just, I'll talk to you later. (laughs) See ya. Um, the, let's see Bob's Tavern, because we are playing off of the whole, like, it's a bar theme. We always do like a thing of like, make a toast and to whatever has happened and then finish your drinks and get out because the tavern's closed. Um, so like, it's, it's kind of witty, kind of like punny, but at the same time, like, I try to keep I try to keep the attitude as I'm just here to chill and to vibe. So the same way I would end a regular conversation, I guess. I'm just like, all right, I'll talk to you later. Peace. Like, just leave it at that. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Uh, that's also my way of saying I have to head out uh, yeah. soon. Uh, oh, the... no I can stop, Are I can there stop any... recording. Oh, should I do that to you? I'll do that. Uh, How would you like these files sent to you? 